This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. everybody and welcome to episode 159 of the Stacey West podcast. I am Ben and we've lost in the week so of course instead of Gaz we've got Jake this week. How you doing mate? You alright? Yeah I, I knew this call was coming. It's very convenient that Gaz's internet has gone off in Storm Dudley so um, yeah I guess I'm here to pick up the pieces and uh, go over another defeat. <laughs> I mean in fairness to Gaz like these storms are pretty bad so um, not you yeah. sticking up for Gary, is it, Ben? After all the abuse you get, you're going to stick up for him. I'm not sticking up for him. I'm just, I'm, I'm giving him an out. There we oh. go. That'll not do. But uh, yeah, not, not been the, uh, not been the best of weeks. I mean, it started off fairly well in terms of football um, on Saturday, didn't it? I think we had a, a decent performance, a decent point. I don't think anybody expected to take anything from the game, but to come away with a point was. Uh, was was a good one against uh, a, a strong physical Wickham side, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I think it was a point that we were well worthy of as well. I think perhaps we, you know when you're leading for 80 minutes, you probably want to win the game, don't you? But I think before the game, everyone was sort of saying, "I'd oh, snatch your arm off for a point," considering Wickham's position on the table. What we weren't perhaps taking into account was their form. They'd, they hadn't won in three before. Um, and they looked quite poor against MK Dons. They didn't do very well against Shrewsbury either. So disappointed to lose the lead with what was it, was it six minutes to go plus stoppage time. And, and we had plenty of opportunities, didn't we, to win it? But you know, a, a good point and um, some really good performances out there on Saturday as well, which which probably impressed me more than the result did. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the uh, the thing for me was that you know, like I said, we we didn't expect to take anything from it, and I think. Going into it, you know, you look at it and you've got a an 18-year-old making his debut at right back um, and you sort of start to almost fear the worst a little bit. But 
I mean, you know, Gaz was saying the other week that he wanted uh, he, he wanted something to shout about down the right hand side um, in an attacking form, uh, you know, attacking um, sense. And um, I think we might have found it in Brook Norton Cuffey. What a day! Like what a full debut that lad had on Saturday. Yeah, I'm surprised you were able to get the um, the name right, Ben, because I remember when we struggled a bit. Not to not to dob you in, but. No, yeah, he's, he looks good, doesn't he? I think when when you when we signed him and everyone was sort of watching the clips of him in Premier League two or the, the under 18s at Arsenal, we, we could sort of see that he was capable of it. But yeah, it's I, I sort of knew that that number 20 shirt's quite famous, isn't it? With, with Brennan and then the big great Dan wearing it before. Um, but yeah, he, he's done really well, Ante. You know, he did well against Doncaster as well, which we'll touch on. But unstoppable against Wickham and it's really a coming of age performance for him wasn't it you know so really impressed with Brooke actually and I don't think we can drop him now especially even if TJ is going to be fit for Saturday I think Brooke Norton Cuffey has, has more, done more than enough to stake his claim in the team for you know, at least certainly the next couple of games yeah and I think um, you know it, it was the fact that in the, uh, in, in the first half against Wickham um, it was that run at the end of the first half where he, you know, basically barged his way into the box because he's he's not just like built like a brick shit house, but he has he's got pace as well. I was really impressed with how quick he was. Um, managed to you know get into the box and get a shot away or just about. Um, I think he just about got to the point where he nearly had a shot and Wickham just managed to get the ball off him. But um, yeah, just turned to the the guy sat behind him and said, "That lad's a right back and he's." gotten that far up but then you don't you, you know he's, he's straight back to his right back position he's, he's quick enough to get back there so um yeah fantastic stuff from him um and of course it was a cracking goal that um you know set us up uh, to go one nil up and i think by the sounds of it david kerslake is taking some if not all of uh, Liam Cullen's credit away from him Jake yeah I saw that the club sort of tweeted out the um was it did they call it tunnel cam or whatever it was that the gaffer the, tape gaffer tape that's it brilliant um, name brilliant something name. I'm sure Michael Afton is fully behind um yeah Kerr's <laughs> looked like he was absolutely lapping it up didn't he um mm. I did notice how none of the subs really got up and started jumping about um which I would expect but no like you say clever clever routine um scully around the corner and then it sort of went about what 0.3 miles an hour over the line <laughs> it, i i'm adamant he scuffed it i'm it absolutely right adamant that he scuffed it right in the corner so like props to liam on the, on the placement i don't think he could have placed it any better but it seemed to take an eternity to go over the line and i, I was ex- half expecting just you know the big massive boot of one of their 89 foot giant center halves to, to clear it but <laughs> no obviously it went in and, and completely limbed sort of all over the place really oh you've said the l word gaz is going to strangle you for that <laughs> bring it on bring it on oh, dear but no, no i mean like it, it was it was refreshing to see a corner routine actually work because how many times have we had them um I think since the days of uh, of of what we affectionately dubbed the Cowley stack, um, I don't really think we've had much luck at set pieces. Um, but I mean, yeah, just really, really clever move. Um, and yeah, whoever it was that came up with it, whether it was Kurz himself or whatever, I think just, you know, cracking move. And yeah, I am absolutely 100% adamant 
that uh, Cullen has not struck that as sweetly as he'd like to. But I don't care because if he had struck it as like as sweetly as he wanted to, probably wouldn't have gone in. I thought Max Sanders was a, a you know a, another solid performance on Saturday, and I think ultimately don't really think there was anything I could complain about um, coming away from the game. Like you you know everybody left everything out on the pitch. Like they were all absolutely shattered by the end of it. You could see that, and then I, I you know. A draw was probably a fair result on Saturday, wasn't it? Yeah, I think, I mean, to be a bit cynical, um, the defending for the goal, obviously not great, is it? Uh, I think it's Cullen on the on the, our right-hand side that, that sort of goes towards the player, well, well, sits away from the player, then he goes like a couple of seconds too late, allowing him to get the cross in, and then, you know, you can't give a centre-half um, a free header six yards out they're going to bury it every time aren't they especially if they're playing regularly in a team like Wickham so definitely positives like you say but I think there's certainly some negatives for the, the, the group to work on um, between now and the end of the year because you know if we're going into these games you know six pointers against the likes of you know Fleetwood Gills Shrewsbury you know Cheltenham still got to play so you know if you give a centre half a free header Ben and like five yards out, more, nine times out of ten they're going to bury it, and that was probably the, the disappointing aspect of of Saturday that we didn't win purely because of probably our own mistake rather than Wickham outclassing us, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I, I think the the thing for me is that you know when you look back at the goal, I think a lot of it was just tiredness. Like I think a lot of the that um, those you know bits where you say oh the, the defending wasn't great, I think it genuinely was just from like. Brook Norton Cuffey in particular, he just looked shattered. Just absolutely knackered by the end of it. And when you've not got um you've not got a viable replacement off the bench, I think it was a uh, it was a difficult one to to leave him out there in some respects. But, you know, doing so and I, I just thought he looked tired. Um and ultimately that that's potentially what's cost us the game. But, you know, we didn't lose, which was uh, a a positive for sure. Um but then that kind of um, that enthusiasm, that positivity carried on till Tuesday. Um, and the twins are back. Oh, sh- <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, like the thing is, going into the game, I actually felt really positive. I felt really good about you know where everything was, and I think the first half. I've seen some criticisms of it, but I genuinely think the first half was was what we needed to do in that game. Like I, I kind of expected Donny to to sort of come on to us and um, and be a bit more of an attacking presence. Um, but the fact that the you know the Doncaster fans on 40, 43 minutes when they had their first shot on target or first shot, sorry, um, they were singing, you know, we've had a shot. Uh, I just thought that summed it up, like. I think I can see what the game plan was in the first half on on Tuesday and it was to, you know, play that possession football and just try and find the opening, try and find the the point at which we could strike. And I think we did it two or three times, but their keeper made some fantastic saves um, in the first half. And then, of course, there was that, you know, ridiculous goal mouth scramble, um, which I think just resulted in a clearance. I don't think even it resulted in a corner. Um, But yeah, I mean, before we come on to to the second half, what was your 
what was your thoughts on that uh, on that first half? And do you think that was probably a fair assessment? Yeah, I, I think you're not too far off. I think it was really impressive. I was really sort of encouraged by the um, the, the willingness of the team to to try and you know constantly go for that you know for the jugular and and, and go and score a couple of goals. And again, I I think Liam Cullen was probably our best performer on the night, uh, especially in the first half. Some really intelligent runs, picked the ball up in good areas. Um, Jonathan Mitchell made a couple of good saves as well. Obviously, you mentioned there the, the goal line scramble, um, which I'm still adamant it, it, it looked like it crossed the line where I was from. Uh, obviously, I'm back on the halfway line, so I might be wrong. I might have my... Yeah, you've got very, very red and white tinted glasses. Yeah, I, I think I'll probably do at that point. But I was desperate. You know, everyone was thinking Donny's the game out of the three that was probably going to be the easiest one to, you know, Morecambe were, were sort of on a similar par to us. Um, where can we expect nothing from? And Donny was the one that everyone thought, oh, well, this would be three points because Donny are absolutely shit. But, oh God, I swore again. Um, <laughs> um, but no, you know, consider some of the away performances they've had as well, Ben. You know, they've gone up to Sunderland and won. They went down to MK and won. So, yeah. you know, they're no mugs. And yeah, they, they weren't really in the game, were they, first half? But, you know what you said, but their supporters sort of chanting that towards the sort of the, the 45th minute or whatever. And there was only one team that looked like they were going to win the game from that point on. But then, well, we, we all sort of know what, what transpired afterwards. And um, yeah, it's, yeah, it wasn't great, was it? But I was really encouraged by the first half. Um, yeah. I think but then, of course, that then gave way to the second half and, uh, Possibly one of the strangest second halves of football that we've ever seen Um, for a couple of reasons. I mean, obviously, you know, when a team has one box entry in the entire game, one shot on target and they win. I, I don't really know how else to sum up the performance. I mean, like, like, Doncaster were shite and they beat us. Yeah, well, they, I don't know if you went to the the reverse game, Ben. They were they were equally as bad at the keep mode or the eco power. They they seem to call it nowadays. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I sort of had the, the whole feeling that the night um, the night of when I was talking with, with Chris and, and Luca before the game, I was thinking I, I just didn't feel like we were going to win. And obviously, it was it was one of those things. Wanted I think. Perhaps events externally might have played a part. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about them um, or whatever it is later. But I, I, I just didn't think we, the momentum just was killed completely. Um, and obviously, that's that's nobody's fault. Um, obviously, there were exterior factors, and I feel like the stoppage in play helped Doncaster more because when you know when when we kicked off again they looked fresher, they looked eager. Um Tommy Rowe midfield really impressed me. He was tenacious. He was winning all the second balls and and that they you know they were just they stuck in the game and you know like we did away I mean, it's a bit of a weird example, but like away at Burnley, we kept they kept it nil nil and as long as it stays nil nil you're in the game, aren't you? And, and yeah. they managed to to get I mean it was a definite penalty, Ben. I don't know. Oh yeah. It yeah. definitely struck his arm, and yeah, you can't. I, I don't think anyone can complain about that. I think the, the the complaint from me would be the the build up to the penalty. 
Yeah, I think um, the the move that that led to it, I think it, it seemed a little bit sloppy. It seemed a little bit tired, um, and giving the ball away that cheaply, um, that close to your goal, uh, ultimately, you know, it it was the first time that Doncaster had been in our area in the entire game, and they had a shot. You know, Joe Walsh, whether it was a case of his arm was dangling or whether he stuck his arm out, like there's no doubt if that goes against us. Or, you know, if, if that goes in the other end, we're clamoring for a penalty. Like, there's no doubt that that was a stonewall penalty. And, um, yeah, I saw somebody compare the uh, the penalty to a good old uh, good old fashioned Steve Holmes penalty. And I think that might be before your time. But um, You're right, Ben. I, I would say it was a, a Sean Dyche penalty. <laughs> that, um, I've seen that purely through TikTok. I think we was at... Northampton or somewhere, or did he play at Chesterfield where he just absolutely battered it down the middle? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would call it a Sean Dice penalty, but he took it well. Yeah, uh, you know, and when you've got the chance, you know, that is the one chance. It's like Eminem, you know, you've got to take it. And um, I just. Ben. Ben. What? Nah. He didn't miss his chance to blow it. That opportunity comes oh, once in a God. lifetime. God, right. As soon as Gary leaves, you're like a bloody child in petrol. <laughs> oh, but, uh, but no, I mean, I'm going to win next time, please. <laughs> look, I'm, I'm, we're trying to keep it light because obviously, you know, it was a it was a difficult one. Um, but yeah, I, I I just don't know what happened in the second half. It just seemed to kind of the like the attacking impetus and all of that just seemed to to fall away, didn't it? I mean, we still had. I think Brooke Norton Cuffey was was probably the highlight of the second half uh, for me. I think he was the one that didn't stop running. He didn't stop, you know, trying to make his way forward and try to to get something out of the game. Um, but hmm, I, I mean, was there anything that you wanted to to sort of pick up on before we obviously touch on the other events? Um. Partly, I just think I didn't think we we did enough to win the football. Well, well, actually, that's a lie. We did do enough to win the football match, but obviously, your cutting edge, the cutting edge just wasn't there, was it? Again, and it's been a bit of a problem. Um, I think a positive, Hops was back. Um, yep. Really good to see him come off the bench because I know yep. he's, we all know he's struggled, but yeah, a disappointing night. But you know, you, you just hope that. That that we can recover and and try and you know get another fifteen points in the next what fifteen games that we've got left. Yeah, I think um, you know it's good good point. Yeah, you, you've touched upon uh, with Hops. I think there was a discussion um, relatively recently, I believe, about you know whether there was the potential that Hops may never play again. Um, so I'm glad that that has either seemingly been debunked um, as a rumour or whether it's, uh, you know, whether he's, he's actually come through very well from his injury. I think it's just fantastic to see that he's uh, he's back in there. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm i trying to pick the bones out of it. And, and, you know, for all the shit that we get on socials about putting positive spins on things, like, I, it's hard. Like, it really is hard to, to pull out anything majorly positive from that second half other than you know hops coming on um i think the thing is like there is a um there is a a a train of thought that goes through you know quite a lot of people and they they say well there's only one stat that matters and that's points on the board and i think ultimately 
like yes that's the case and i think some of it um when you have those moments in the second half where you know you can feel it in the stand like the, the the atmosphere just slowly deflated it was like the air being let out of a balloon really slowly and it just in the second half when you know there was I think there was at one point we had a free kick just outside the 18 yard box and within 15 seconds it was back with it was back with Griffiths. Yeah. And I think at that point you start to get a little bit too frustrated. Um I mean don't get me wrong I'm not jumping on any bandwagons and calling for anybody to be sacked or anything like that. I've still you know I still believe in in what's happening at the club at the moment. I still believe that you know we've got the right people in but it was so frustrating and it was genuinely that point where you just think, well, yeah, tonight there is one stat that matters and it is the fact that Donny have gone away with three points and we've gone away with nothing. Mm. Like it, it, it kind of, it, it was that moment where I just thought, you know, I've, we've had this spell of, of, you know, being the better side for so many games over the past few months, but we've just not come away with anything. And it's, it's, it's so frustrating and I think the the thing is like Gaz mentioned in his article came away from the game feeling angry but with nowhere really to direct that anger to and that's exactly how I felt as well like yeah. I woke I woke up on Wednesday morning and I was still fuming I just I, it's hard when you've not got somewhere that you can put that blame on like reasonably because you're just angry about it like you're angry about the fact that Doncaster won like Am I angry at Joe Walsh for giving the penalty away? Not necessarily. He was there to try and block the shot. You know, I am I angry for Joe Walsh? Uh, Joe Walsh for getting sent off? I'm like, well, not massively, but I mean, you know, it's it it's just frustrating. I mean, what you know? How how did you see the footballing side of the rest of the game go? Not great, Ben. <laughs> we didn't, we didn't, <laughs> you know what I mean? We didn't we didn't create anything. Um, and yeah, you, you have to. It gets to a point where, you know, I'm not saying that I'm to get rid of the manager or anything like that, but it gets to a point where, you know, we have so many of these games. I think Atherton sort of said um, post MK Dons, he's sort of sick of managers coming out and saying, you know, speaking to him and saying, oh, yeah, you you know, you played really well. You're a good side. You know, you cause us loads of problems and end up losing the side. And there's only so many times you want to hear that. Um, and I, I think, you know, Tuesday will be another example. It, it They've got to improve, haven't they? Um, you know, we've got to have, we've got to find that clinical edge again, and I'm sure, you know, the manager's sort of drilling that into his players. But there's, there's only sort of so much. I know supporters that, that are deciding that perhaps Gillingham, that they're going to give the tickets away for Gillingham because they're not that impressed. And you know, I'm not saying by any stretch Appleton out. I'm, I'm not in that brigade, but I, I can not see where they're coming from, but I can sort of see that if we continue on a path where the football isn't great and if the foot and when we're not getting the results, because obviously at the end of the day, Ben, football is a, a results based business. And I, I just think that perhaps that it's getting a little bit boring for some supporters and, and they're, they're making that known. And I mean, you say that, the, but like, I, I think the thing is as well, like there were 9,000 in the stadium on Tuesday night, like, mm. That people aren't staying away in droves at the moment. Like the support is still there. Yeah, it's just a frustration, and you know, people saying, "Oh, I'm not going to go to the Gillingham game out of frustration." Like that—that that is born out of frustration. Like, you're not going to have 
2,000 people there on the 26th. No, like, you no know. absolutely. It's, absolutely. It's just a, it's a difficult spell. And as football fans, we are used to, dif- well, you know, particularly people that have been at the club during the non-year, uh, non-league years and before that, yeah. you know, you have difficult spells as a football fan. And it's, it, I think, for want of a, not wanting to, you know, stoke any flames or anything like that, but for a lot of fans, this will be either their first or their first in a long time where we've had a difficult spell. Like it's, you know, you, we went from what, 2000 to 9,000 in four or five years. Like it, it there's going to be a lot of people where they've not had this, this level of, you know, frustration and, fair enough like you know but you've got to stick with the club you've got to stick with everything that you've done so far um and i just think that we'll get this season out of the way like i i still firmly believe we'll be in league one next you know next season mm-hmm. um and then go again as much as gaz hates that phrase like you know pick it up and and dust yourselves off have another crack at it next year and hopefully um make a go of it but um yeah, I, I, I was just saying I could see why people are getting frustrated. Obviously, if we're, it, we've got the worst home form in the division, and yeah. that isn't uh, it isn't acceptable um, as supporters. We must realise that it's not acceptable. Um, but yeah, it's it's difficult, isn't it? It's it, I mean, I, I can understand where people, they come from. Yeah, I, I do, and I think it's when people say, "Oh, defend that." It's like, well, I'm not going to defend that because it was crap, hmm. but. You know, you're allowed to be frustrated with stuff, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you jump from, you know, you you, you go from, oh, everything's great. Everything's, you know, everything's fantastic. And then the other, you know, you lose one game. It's, oh, get rid of the manager and all that. It's like, you've got to take, you've got to have that balance. You've got to have that, you know, that nuance. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Never too high, never too low. I think Michael sort of says that. And I think especially the Cowleys used to say it, especially when we were towards the top end of of League Two. And um, probably something that a lot of our supporters could, um, could, could put to use over the next couple of weeks hopefully indeed but um i mean obviously you know it's um we need to we need to talk about a couple of the, the, the situations um that, that happened um first one was uh midway through the second half um where uh, an incident in block four in the in the co-op um there was a medical emergency and, uh, you know, the game had to be stopped for, I think it was around half an hour in the end. Um, yeah. It did seem to go very quickly um, when that was, you know, when that was happening. Um, I think it's probably fair to say that there's been a little bit of open criticism on uh, on social media about some of the stuff that happened. Um, and then there was another incident as well, which we will come on to, which, you know, I was quite vocal with my criticism as well. But like, I know Gaz mentioned it in his piece on the site. Um, he was frustrated at the the seeming lack of action uh, from uh, from the initial, like, stewards or the, you know, the stewards that would have initially seen what had happened. Um, yeah. I mean, you sit in the lower tier, don't you? Yeah, lower, I'm lower four, so I'm sort of directly below the incident. Yeah, so, I mean, how did you see, how did you sort of hear or figure out what was happening? Well, the the first thing I sort of noticed was um, the massive crowd and upper four that were sort of whistling and and shouting for help, and it was quite, you know, quite desperate at times. Obviously, you know, you, you consider the the situation that was going on, and 
yeah, I mean, that's probably the first I heard of it. And then, obviously, nobody realises what the, what happens. I, I completely missed, I'm sure everybody else in the ground did as well, missed the that Teddy Bishop came on the pitch. Um, yeah, yeah. The substitution, I, I had no idea that was taking place because we were so frantically trying to get the attention of the referee and the, the officials and all that. And, yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. I, I didn't think the response was great. Um, the stewards were sort of just, uh, just stood around not doing a great deal um it's difficult isn't it because it's a medical emergency and, and perhaps i'm not the best person in terms of training but yeah it just it didn't look like it went well um from from where i was and i'm just really glad that the 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 old man that young man that that was um that had the medical emergency sort of just gave us a bit of a, a wave as he as he left the ground which perhaps is the most important thing out of all of this i know mm-hmm. there'll be inquests into what went wrong and what happened at the club and but the, the most important thing is that man's still alive and he's stable and and um yeah, yeah that uh, as much as we can criticize the club and the way it was held held with you know that ultimately that is the most important thing yeah absolutely i mean from from where we were um i don't think i don't think anyone's you know well obviously everyone's account's going to vary slightly i mean we're in upper five so we as we look towards the like the um, south park end of the ground you can immediately see because uh, it was two rows down from where we sit as well so you could you know you could see people start to get a bit frantic so we knew immediately what was happening um and then yeah just calls down to the stewards and, and everybody else and i have to say that the vast majority of the response um, was like excellent. Um, I think there were, you know, a few people that um, it, it looked a little bit like they were rabbits in headlights. Um, I, you know, to a point, like I would agree that when they, you know, when they come in for this, they don't sign up for for that sort of a thing. You know, it's a it's a a rare instance but um i don't necessarily believe that it should have been down to to fans to potentially coordinate some of the stuff that went on but um as you say like the fact that you know the 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 gentleman was stable and um as far as we're aware he's okay now um you know our thoughts are obviously with him and his family for for what was a obviously very distressing time um yeah it just it, it it didn't look great initially um but the, the response of the medical staff. I mean, I think the Doncaster physio was uh, first on, um, first on the scene. Um, and then I think Mike Hine was was next. And then, you know, obviously all the other medical staff because the physios had the, the benefit of being able to run across the pitch. Um, but um, yeah, a steady stream of medical staff and uh, I couldn't fault them at all. And I, th- I, know, I know that the stewarding staff gets a lot of shit from people, um, but the senior staff uh, that would, you know, we've seen there every week for, for years. Um, absolutely exemplary response. Just couldn't, like, I couldn't have faulted them because you looked over there and they, they were all there, like all of the, the senior staff were there and they were trying to guide people as best they could. So, yeah, couldn't fault that. Um, but I did say, and uh, we'll, we'll come on to it in a second, that there was a moment where we were, being told by uh, some of the, the staff that came over in the blue coats, um, we're being told to go back to our seats. And the, the people that were in the two rows that were essentially cleared out for the medical staff to go in 
they were being told to go back to their seats, which I think I quite, you know, quite politely, of course, explained to them that there was not a chance that they were going to be going back to their seats because uh, they couldn't get there because there's medical staff in the way. And whatever expletives you'd like to put around that, you know, to, to fill it out would probably be fair. But um, yeah, difficult moment, um, difficult moment for everybody involved. But, um, you know, big, big uh, sort of props to, to the, the medical staff and uh, everybody for getting the gentleman away and um, making sure that he uh, he was stable later that night. Yeah, massively agree, agree. And then obviously there's the <clears throat> sorry the um the incident at the end of the game as well, which yeah, we've got some um opinions on. But you know, just absolutely, you know, that that behaviour should not be tolerated at, at football grounds to um just to encroach the, the the field of players stupidity at, at its highest um especially to go and give sticks you know if they, if they were reportedly lincoln fans or the donny fans whoever they are to give stick to all all sides of the ground um mm-hmm. and make as many enemies as they can I, I severely hope we don't see them back at a football ground because you, you can't you know the football fans as as football fans our, our brand gets tarnished with you know, they're all thugs. They all want to get on the pitch. They all want to start scrapping and things like that. And it's yeah. incidents like like Tuesday night, you know, in the last minute. And, you know, if you're thinking they're Lincoln fans and we're 1-0 down, yeah, you want you want the players to be focused and you want the players to go and get, you know, try and equalise. I think that completely, if we had any momentum, which I don't think we did, if we had any, that certainly would have killed it all off. Yeah. Well, I mean... Um... You know, my initial thought was they'd come from the Stacey West End because that was at the first point that people noticed what had happened and you could see them running at that point. Um, But it's probably a good spot to segue over. Um, I, you know, myself and many other people um, tweeted about it at the time, um, you know, saying that it was how were they able to get to the other end of the ground, X, Y, Z. Liam Scully replied to me and said you know can i come on the podcast to to have a right to reply essentially on that one so uh i caught up with liam a little bit earlier and um yeah here's what he had to say so uh i am here once again with liam scully the third most uh appearances on the state of west podcast i think you've overtaken jake again now <laughs> um but uh i mean it, it was this kind of stemmed from Obviously, the, um, the the tweet that I put out on, on Tuesday during the game um, and you sort of said that you'd like to, to come on and kind of discuss the obvious stuff that went on on, on Tuesday night. And, uh, you know, we've given you the platform to, to do so, um, as we would always do, as uh, you know, wouldn't want to wouldn't want to let your numbers drop. So um, <laughs> I think if we um, if we start. Uh, first off, with the, um, the the incident late on in the game um, with the the fans, obviously I know probably not going to be able to talk overly specific um, about you know the exact incident and the uh, the exact repercussions of that, if you like. Um, but from from your point of view, I mean, obviously you know my mine and a lot of others' reactions um, initially was how were two people able to get from the Stacey West stand all the way over to the other end of the pitch and then 
halfway back um, and it did seem at one point as though I think uh, one of the fans in the crypto cloud end got involved um, and then I'd, I'd heard some stuff I don't know how accurate it is but I did hear that that fan was then ejected and then allowed back in and all sorts but uh, yeah I mean from from your point of view from the club's point of view what what happened there and and how was that allowed to happen if you like yeah sure so I think I think Ben you you rightly alluded to to it in in a sense um you know there are ongoing investigations um at the moment within the club and and, and that's natural uh, process to happen um anyway so uh, what I what I won't be able to do is talk about maybe behaviors of individuals or or some things but uh, you know broad brush i think you, you know um you you, you know it, it'd only be right and fair to, to answer some kind of questions or some key topics that have clearly um come, come out of this um and i suppose yeah I, I suppose the the um the thing that facilitated this conversation probably was was you and and many others and, and the comments that kind of came and, and and the kind of review and appraisal of of, of the of the actions of the incidents that took place in the game, and I suppose, if I may, um, given I'm I'm nearly a host on this show now, if I, if I, <laughs> if I may turn it around and, and throw it back to you, Ben, and say, what what you know, what would be your definition of success? What once that pitch incursion occurred, what 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 would you expect to see, and you know, what what do you think would be the gold standard in in terms of how uh, Lincoln City would deal with that? That's a good good way of uh, of throwing it back. Um, I think. You know, I think the, the frustration from a lot of people was that the stewards around the edge of the pitch um, kind of either didn't seem to notice what had happened or they just kind of saw it and, and stopped there. Um, and, I, you know, from from a lot of the uh, reaction that I saw, I think there was quite a lot of uh, uh, quite a lot of frustration vented at the, the the blue jacketed lads, as I think the, some people would, uh, would would call them. Um, I don't want to see, you know, like kind of a Benny Hill situation where you've got, you know, two or three people in, in high-vis jackets running around after, you know, two lads that have incurred on the pitch. But I think what I would probably, you know, assume would have happened would be that maybe three or four kind of stewards go on and maybe shrink the area that they can run into if you like almost you know kind of minimizing the the disruption they can cause and obviously you know a lot of people were suggesting yes it's fair enough that they've they've gotten on the pitch and run down and you know two uh, presumably what looked like two young well two youngish kids had jumped uh, jumped on and you know done what they've done but it could have i think the fear is that it could potentially have been a lot worse um and i, th- I think that like i said it's a difficult one and I don't envy, you know, the position that the stewards are put in, but I think it was a, it was the perceived inaction. I think that wound a few more people up rather than, you know, anything else. Yeah, no, and and I and I fully understand that, and I think, you know, the, there is perception is reality, um, but I think, you know, what I'd like to hope is is people know me now well enough that uh when when we get things wrong we we hold our hands up mm-hmm. uh when we make mistakes we we do that but but equally um I, I will defend the club i will defend our actions and i will defend our people uh when, when i think they 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 deserve that and and broadly speaking I, I do want to defend the actions of everybody at lincoln city including you know the stewards um on the evening for, for how they dealt with it so i think f- first and foremost um you know, ju- just to kind of pick up on, on on a couple of things. When a pitch incursion happens, our, our job is is to protect first of all the safety of the players and the officials and everybody that that's the other side of the hoardings. Second job is 
to uh, prevent a second pitch incursion because statistically when one pitch incursion happens it is the time that's most likely a second incursion to happen and third of all it's to deal with the matter with proportionate force so so effectively once that incident happens that's what we're looking to 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 deal with now just taking on your first comment, um, they didn't come from the Stacey West stand and go all the way to the crypto cloud because they didn't come from the Stacey West end. Um, okay. And I think this is where, you know, I've got to be really careful because there's only so much I can say without giving away our tactics. And, you know, a football manager wouldn't necessarily give away how they approach <laughs> things. And, and, and I suppose we've got to do something similar. But at that stage in the game, our stewarding force was deployed in front of the Stacey West stand. The majority of it was deployed in front of the Stacey West stand to deal with uh, potential incursions from there uh, and equally uh, at the time a jubilant away fan base, um, you know, uh, on their way to recording a, you know, a positive victory for them away, away from home. Um, that does leave gaps within the stadium and, and at times we have to make decisions based on risk assessment. So the two people that incurred on the pitch were Lincoln City fans and okay. after they've so so their first thing to do is go and taunt the away fans. Now our stewarding resource absolutely did its job because they prevented and maintained there was a, a barrier between the Lincoln City fans that had incurred onto the pitch and the Doncaster Rovers fans. So number one, ha, you know, was that the right call? Was the was was the tactics employed at that stage the right thing to do? Whilst there's an investigation ongoing, I would say yes, apps absolutely. Now at that case, at that point, you know, whilst this is all happening very quickly, you've got to assess what are their intentions. So the Lincoln City fans, do they want to hold the game up when you're one nil down, um, trying to recover the game? Um, and equally, like I say, we're trying to prevent second secondary incursions. Equally, what you've got, to, you know, the green rectangle is seven thousand eight hundred meters. Of, of pitch so your your analogy of four or five people to shrink the area you know okay four or five people tactically you know we're, we're still talking areas thousands of meters square meters that that, that an individual would have to cover uh, so tactically and operationally I, I, i'm not going to go into the fine details but you know that that scenario unless there is immediate risk to life so we think that there's there's a, a weapon in hand or if we think there's you know um, the tactics that would be deployed in that situation, I'm very, very comfortable with what I've seen, what I've heard, what I've looked at so far in terms of our, our, our response to that. We absolutely failed on one of the agendas, which was stopping a secondary incursion because that happened. Um, and I, I'm not going to comment on, on the last element um, just due to where, where, where situations are at the moment. But what I would say is, um, you know, in terms of how we deal with that and 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 the stewarding uh, and the approach taken like you know there, there are some occasions when things are going to happen and that you can't control you know this is 9300 people a live environment um i would look back at that scenario uh, and think broadly speaking we got our tactics and, and and approaches right um you know statistically where's where's the most likely incursion going to come from where's your resource deployed and then actually, what once the event happened, how, how did we deal with it? Now, is that incredibly frustrating for, for everybody because uh, you're losing one nil and because visibly the, or the perception is there was an action in action? Um, yeah, I can I can absolutely understand that. Um, but, you know, th there has to be a change of of mentality or, or uh, politely I would I would challenge that that you know th this this backdrop that uh, you know the club are a shambles nobody knows what they're doing you know uh, we, we we revert to that 
so quickly mm. and so unfairly. And and for that, I would vehemently back um, 99% of our people that were involved in dealing with that incident uh, in the fact that they did the right thing. And and actually, having had first incident review and uh, dealing with, with people up the chain of command that we have to deal with on, on such incidents, their first review is is, is similar to mine in, in commending the actions of, of people involved. So, you know, again, you know, I, I know the optics would probably love a SWAT style operation that swarms down, covers all <laughs> angles, gets people off the pit. But, but ultimately the outcome was uh, a detention and an, an arrest. Um, you know, the individuals involved are going to have an indefinite ban from football. We'll decide, we'll, we'll discuss the criminality charge of that because it is a criminal offense to enter the field of play. Um, you know, looking at the bigger picture that that was a successful operation. Okay. No, I, I, Having you know heard that side of it, obviously, like I said, it, it's the initial perception um, that I think wound a lot of people up. Um, and again, the situation of the game that we were at, you know, one nil down, like you said, it just seemed like the game was being held up. And I think a lot of people wanted them to get off the pitch as quickly as possible, which obviously, you know, the people involved would have, would have wanted as well. So, um, no, I appreciate the appreciate the response on that one. Um, if we can move on to the other instant during the game now yep um first off have you heard uh from the friends family from of the gentleman involved is is everything okay there is is you know as far as you're aware yeah we, we've not had any formal communication um following the evening itself but but we do know that the gentleman in, in question was was stable later that evening and, and and thank god you know uh, everything appears to be um all, all right so regardless of what we discuss in the next five minutes or so you know the, it, it appears we've had a positive outcome uh, and, and for that I'm, I'm sure that that's first and foremost the number one thing that we all wanted to see 100 percent, and that's the you know ultimately i think a lot of people were, were saying in, in the evening you know that it put a lot of things into perspective um when that happened so um there were two things really that I I think I saw a bit of, again, frustration with and a bit of um, not necessarily anger, but, you know, definitely some some comments that were were made. Um, the first one was the the initial reaction of um, some of the steward and staff uh, when it was all sort of bubbling up, if you like, Um it became very apparent very quickly. I mean, I sit in block five, so I'm just over to the left of where it happened. Um, so, you know, I could see um, that yeah, I, I could see what was happening, essentially. Um, and then, you know, that the, the noise kind of went from the top of block four down to the bottom. And I think this one of the or one or two of the stewards seemed to not either not hear, not pay attention or took a while to respond to that. Um and then the other frustration, um, and this was one that I, you know, there may be in, in reports about some some foul language being directed to some people. And for that, I do apologise. But um, during uh, during the sort of break in play, um, there was a moment where some of the uh, some of the people came in and sort of started trying to tell people to get back in their seats um, while there was still medical staff in the aisle um, and in the row where they you know where the incident was occurring um and i think that just wound a few people up as well so uh, that was you know from from where i was sat that was where the frustrations came from um so other than that you know i, I couldn't fault any of the response at all i thought you know the senior staff and the medical staff were exemplary 
Sure. Um, so I suppose start, starting off, you know, real kind of big picture, because in terms of I've, I've had quite a few people tweet and, and, and email this. So to, just to be really, really clear, statistically, um, this season um, in stadium emergencies um, have not increased or decreased over the last five years. Um, so um, other than the season, obviously, that was played behind closed doors, we have the same number of medical emergencies, um, broadly speaking, in stadiums in the UK um, as, as we've always done. Um, and equally, the severity of those incidents um, are, are, are about the same. They've not increased or decreased. Um, since I've been at Lincoln City, we've had four um, major medical emergencies at the stadium and around 20 plus severe um, medical emergencies. Um, we had a major one at, at the Burton game, um, actually, um, that, that okay. went by, um, but but um, it was in an area that wasn't as highly visible. And out of the uh, 9,000 that were there that day, I'm guessing around 7,000 didn't even know um, that that was the case. Um, now, what has changed, and I'm not, it's certainly not for me to comment um, you know whether this good or bad is is, is fan behaviour and fan reaction um, to to when you know these medical emergencies uh, occur. Um, you know, in my previous days, and I, I know we don't really want to talk to them about them at the moment, but in my in my previous role at Doncaster, you know, I, you know, unfortunately, I, I had a young man actually, um, you know, um, leave the stadium deceased. Um, you know, and, and that was in the stands, very similar circumstances that, you know, initially played out. And, you know, the, the game went on um, and very few people really were, were aware and noticed. But, you know, thankfully that had a happy ending as well. And, and likewise in, in, in this situation. So that, that you know, what, what has changed um, broadly is that, you know, uh, the on-pitch team, from the referees, the officials, um, the players, the medical teams seem to be far more aware and, and far more, you know, um, you know, reacting to, to, to what goes on, um, you know, outside outside of the green green rectangle. So again, not for me to comment whether that's good or bad. It, it, it's just an acknowledgement of, of of the situation. I think the next bit I just want to be really probably communicate and get across is that the stadium management does not rely on a single point of success and failure. Mm -hmm. um, and what I, what I mean by that is we have a control room um, that is staffed with a safety officer, deputy safety officer, uh, police leads if they are ever there on the day. We have medical teams um, in communication, and we have CCTV operatives um, that, that 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 are 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 in place to oversee the the match day safety. Now, um, the first people to spot and recognize the incident was not the referee it, it was the cctv operators so before the referee had stopped the game medical teams had already been deployed to deal with the incident now the doncaster physio had a shortcut because he was allowed to go across the pitch and yep. the referee stopped the game and, and, and got involved. So from a 9,300 people were watching the referee, were watching the pitch and, and they, and therefore perception is the referee was the first person to notice and deal with it after the stand, the fans um, in, in, in the stand. Um, that, that's inaccurate. That, that, that's, that's not, not true. Don't want to talk about, you know, and it would be unfair to talk about the individual actions of stewards and people in the area. But I, I think the number one thing I want to reassure people is 
the single point of success and failure is not a individual, a steward, a person that sits within the stadium. There is a multi-layered and um, a, a highly kind of trained team that work and sit in control and monitor the activity that goes on in the stadium. And like I said, just to be really, really clear, before the referee had stopped the game, CCTV operatives had already picked up the incident and had already deployed medical teams to go and deal with the matter. Now, could that have been quicker? Um, in hindsight, could we have done things better? That's what our ongoing investigation is 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 absolutely looking at. Um, but I just think it's so important to get across the fact that, like I say, the, our, our resilience and our match day management is done from the control room, and people wouldn't believe and know what 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 goes on in that control room. You know, we see. A, a lot of things that go on, our tactics and the way that we manage things um, are, 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 you know, highly developed, um, uh, years of learning, years of taking best, best practice. Um, so, so like just a very quick example, you know, gone are the days that when there are incidents in stands that you see teams of stewards marching up. You know, if, if you know, I you know, I grew up watching footballs in you know in the nineties and and early two thousands, and regular occurrences you see te teams like that rarely, rarely happens now unless there are major and and that's the evolution of stewarding and match day management tactics. That's the evolution of technology, CCTV cameras, um, plain clothes spotters, things that go on that people just don't know about. So. The reason, I suppose, why I just wanted to talk about this is that the 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 challenge that people aren't safe in our stadium or don't feel that they're looked after or protected, arguably, rightly, wrongly, because of people pinpointing one or two individuals in their action or their inaction, it's not it, it, it's not true. Of course, we'd always like that to be better, and of course, we're always learning, but it doesn't reside it doesn't rely on one person. Um, the safety of the stadium. It is a multi-layer, multi-team approach that is dealt with from control room. And initial review, I am very, very comfortable with how the official protocols worked um, during that incident, albeit the referee and the match side medical team, they, they also added value to that in stopping the game and allowing us to tend to the incident. So um, broadly speaking, I, I do think it was a success. Um, number one, because we have somebody, um, you know, that was sat up in a hospital bed, um, you know, by, by that evening. So, mm -hmm. yeah, um, don't know if that goes to, to answer some of the questions or, or, or clarify some of the points. Um, and, and, and I'm absolutely very much open to to challenge and, and review on any of that. I'd, I'd encourage people to email feedback at theredimps.com if they've got any, any, any feedback. Um, but, yeah, ho hopefully that gives some people a level of confidence or at least certainly allows me the opportunity to, to air our initial thoughts based on the instance on Tuesday night. No, do appreciate you coming on. Do appreciate your time. Um, and thank you for sparing a little bit of a, a, a Thursday evening on what was undoubtedly a, a difficult week. So no, it's appreciated. Yeah. That, thanks, Ben. Thank you. So there we go. That is uh, the the view from Liam Scully on the two incidents that happened. As he said, if you do have any um concerns or you know questions or any any feedback email feedback at the um and you know i think it might potentially build a slightly bigger picture of everything going on um i think some of those answers were probably a little bit more than we were expecting and some of them you know you, you expect somebody to to stick up for for their employees and for the club don't you jake i mean i think it was um i think it was quite you know, as Liam always is, quite open, quite honest. Um, 
but at the same time, you know, defending defending what he believes is the right way of doing things and and picking up where you know he admits that there is some criticism that can be worked on yeah i i think one thing certainly that can be said of liam and i've, I've never met him and spoke to him personally that, that he comes across as especially you know doing the podcast and, and things like that he's a very honest and and down-to-earth gentleman and i think you know how lucky we are for, for him to be in position a position of power at our football club because he, he speaks so well and you know, for him to have the guts to come onto such a platform like like you and Gary have built over the last you know three years, three and a half years, or whatever it is, uh, and to explain it so shortly after it happened, you know, you, you've got to respect what Liam did. And I, I think when I listen back to to what he said, um, I think it's fair. Some of it's fair. Um, you know, like you said, he's got to back his own employees. He's got to, you know, he's got to basically to give a bit of colour around the situation because I think Lincoln, a lot of people were looking at it with a certain tint of spectacles on, whereas Liam sort of provides that full picture. And um, yeah, I I think he was was right on some things. Obviously, I I know we've sort of said that um, in terms of like the stewarding and and things like that, we've all got our own opinions and I think that Liam just sort of came on and spoke the facts and, you know, there's, there's not much more else that, that could be said from his point of view. And you just got to respect that he's, um, as I say, he's, he's come on and been so open about it because I can't imagine a lot of chief execs would go on, you know, supporter based media, like, you know, such as ourselves and, and been so honest on such a big platform. No, I mean, I, I think the thing as well is that, you know, we, we, we have a right to disagree if we feel that we, you know, that we're being, BS too, or if we're being told something that we don't necessarily agree with. Like, I don't get the feeling from Liam that we are being told BS. I think it was a, you know, get your tequila shots ready. I think it was fair. I think it was, um, you know, a decent, um, a decent thing to do, like you say, to, to come on so soon after it happened. Obviously, there are still ongoing investigations. Um, the two uh, individuals in question that, that entered the field of play have been given banning orders. Um, you know, they've got an indefinite ban from football, um, as Liam said. The thing that really made me sort of think, oh, okay, um, was that, you know, he confirmed that they were Lincoln City fans that, that encroached on the pitch. Um, at which point the word fan becomes a very, very interesting term to use because I don't know why you'd come on the pitch when you're trying to get a, an equaliser and, you know, go and goad the opposition, then run all the way across the pitch only to get essentially chased off by another fan mm. and then get body slammed by a steward, essentially. Um yeah, just idiots of the highest order. And, you know, whether there is a criminal charge to be brought against them as well, we don't know. Um, you know, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, there are still valid criticisms um, to, you know, to go out to, to, to certain areas at the moment. And I think as long as those criticisms are voiced in a fair and reasonable manner, um, I think... You know, Liam will will listen to it and he will endeavour to, you know, either try and fix it or kind of explain why things are the way they are. Um, I know we've had disagreements in the past, but I can accept the point of view and or I can accept the policy if it's explained well and if it's explained fairly. And Liam does that. Um, but the thing that I did find really interesting was that before 
the referee's attention had been brought to what happened in the stand, like before anything had actually been officially done or you know officially called, um, the medical staff had already been deployed because it had all been seen on the CCTV uh, and it was being dealt with from the uh, from the match control centre. Yeah. Um, which, when you hear people say that they don't feel safe or you know that they don't they don't trust the stewards, I think the fact is that you know there is CCTV in the ground and they did pick up on that and it was dealt with swiftly. I just, I think the, the the perception of it all is what really got to people on Tuesday night. And I think, you know, I was guilty of that with the tweet that I sent out and the, you know, the one that Liam replied to. And I think ultimately a lot of people, and I would probably say rightly so, um, find it hard when somebody is seen to not be doing anything when something's going on. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a it's a difficult situation, really, to to talk about, isn't it? Um, but no, I, I I sort of echo what you said, Ben, and um, I mean, just relating to those two people that enclosed on the pitch, I, I don't think it's really worth giving them too much more airtime because you know that's what they ultimately did it for, isn't it? Attention and yeah, and you, you just have to try not to. You have to talk about it, but also you don't want to give them too much attention so that they can stroke their egos and. You know, probably play with themselves when they get home listening to it. But yeah, it's it's, it's it is what it is, and I'm sure the club. Are, are, I mean, by the sound of what Liam said, they went by the protocols. They did, they did everything that they could, and yeah, it's it's difficult. And um, yeah, I, I don't want to say too much and get myself in bother, but yeah, it's um, yeah, I, I think what Liam said was was probably pretty accurate. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think there's anything more to say on that. I think, as I said, we can we can disagree all we like, or you know, we can agree, but um, I think ultimately the club are, I think he said about ninety odd percent, you know, happy with how things went. So there's obviously room for improvement, and hopefully, you know, any sensible feedback that can be put to the club can hopefully go to improve things if it does indeed happen in the future. But enough about that. Let's look ahead to Saturday um, travelling to Fleetwood <sighs> I'm going you're not you're staying at home <laughs> well uh, yeah but you know the team are travelling to Fleetwood um, <laughs> it's it's another game that on paper you would probably say we should win I think um, what is it? they've got no wins in the last six I think the last time they won was the 15th of January so you can either see that as them being due a win or in a rut. Um, which way would you like to think that one goes, Jake? And what can you tell me about Fleetwood? Um, well, yeah, I, I spoke to Nappers um, earlier tonight, which if Ben can do some editing, it's going to go in here or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, might as well say that now, actually. So, so yeah, you did speak with Nappers earlier. So uh, here is a couple of minutes of Jake's chat. Taking your mind back then. Lincoln 2, Fleetwood 1. A really interesting game, I thought, actually, uh, when you consider that Anthony Scully scored both of our goals. Danny Andrew, you know, set you on your way with an absolute world of a free kick. Um, what did you think of that game? What were you leaving the ground going, oh, we should have won that, or we should have got a point, or Lincoln were very good, or... I was trying to find the nearest bridge, if I'm honest with you, mate. Um, no, um, again, it was one of those games where we played Portsmouth, you guys, and Sheffield Wednesday in the first three games. And it was a weird because in every three games, I thought we could have come away with a point, but we didn't. And I thought that, I thought first time, I thought we, even I'd say for 60 minutes, I thought we absolutely 
you know, dominated. I thought we were comfortable with the football. I thought you never feel like pressurising us. You've got to go on. It's changing. You know, the atmosphere you've got there, I think, is unbelievable. And that that won you that game of football. You hear about that all the time. That you know, it's that twelfth man. Lincoln did have that that day, and it's one of the probably the only grounds in League One at the moment that I think is the twelfth man. I'd probably put Ipswich in there, and I'm struggling to find another team that. You know, I think Portsmouth this year have struggled this year at home. I mean, maybe haven't been as loud as they once were and haven't been that 12th man. Um, you know, there's still a fantastic well support. But again, you got the goal. It was, was a very good goal. And then, you know, James Hill takes down one of your lads in the box, you know, defensively an error again, which has been the story of our season. Errors at key times. And you score the penalty and you beat us, you know, 2-1, which is, you know, you remind me every day since like you've won the FA Cup final. Yeah, I, I I think it's also fair to say that, that Teo Eden also had a bit of a worldie at, at left back. He's, he's since gone on to Blackburn. But right, talking Saturday, the Nappers um, game at, at Highbury Park. Um, I don't think we enjoy going to Highbury Park too much. It's too far north. It's very cold. Um, we'll bring a couple of hundred, which we're, we're excited for. But this is a six pointer, is it not? Is it's a real game yes. where above the drop. You're thinking a win here really helps us and really puts the others in the ship. Yeah, it's a must win for both teams. I don't think a draw even does anything for both sides because it just keeps you where you are now. You know, Fleet would have drawn too many games, drawn four and lost two. There's no doubt about it. Fleet was next five games. They play Sheffield Wednesday, then they go to Portsmouth, then they have, I think they've got Ipswich, and then I think after that it's Sunderland and Wigan. So really, you think. How many points can you see coming out of that? Mm. You can maybe nick the odd one, like, you know, we nick three against Rotherham, but no offence to uh, Lincoln, you go into this game fully needing to win. You're, you, you'll you be thinking the same. And I think whoever side, you know, loses it, I think could, you know, be really in trouble. Whoever side wins it, I think could be okay. Mm. And I think there's going to be a bit of a, a third player involved, isn't there, with the, with the weather conditions, obviously up in Fleetwood mm. at the moment. Um, it's very Storm open U- stadium. Storm Eunice. As we stand at the minute, Game's likely to go ahead as far as we're aware. Tell us about your pitch snappers because I know you're very complimentary about it. Oh, it's awful, mate. Fleetwood's pitch used to be a carpet, like it really did. Honestly, one of the best in League One. And over the years, it just got battered and battered. And hopefully this year, they will replace it properly. Like they do normally get a new like seal for it, but I mean, underneath it, the drainage needs sorting. If we can sort that, then we should be fine. But, you know, I'm 50-50 on the game. It all depends on the weather tomorrow. It seems to be more wind than, you know, rain. And, you know, the last game shouldn't have been allowed to go ahead. And it did. So, you never know. And, you know, unfortunately for, for us, we have to watch 90 minutes of League One football. Yeah, I think we all saw the pictures of, of Hillsborough last night as well. Absolutely horrendous playing surfaces yeah. and the weather. Um, prediction the Nappers. Let's have a, a, a prediction. Are we Are we confident? I've said all, 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 all show me that no side can afford to you know lose or not win it. It's going to be one one because you just know both sides going to be a bit cagey. Mm. Um, I think I think Maguire will get it for you, and I think for us, I think Ellis Harrison will score um, again. So again, you, you on paper you've got a good side, but you know you like Clough, you say you win the football game on grass, not mm. paper. Yeah, and um, yeah, that's why I think it's going to be one and loss on Saturday. And there we go. That is a couple of minutes of Jake with Nappers from Fleetwood. I think it's at Cod's Vlogs. Yeah, go go and give him a sub on YouTube. He's a he's a good lad, and we're, we're going to be going on the um, the beers in Blackpool the night before. So um, if you oh, see wow. me on if you see me on Saturday at Highbury, and I'm looking a little bit delicate. That'd be why. Yeah. <laughs>
no, he's a good lad, Nappers. He's uh, he's got a lot of lot of football league knowledge. Really, yeah, got a lot of respect for him. But um, yeah, how do you see Saturday going, Jake? Um, well, perhaps not ahead if if you know Storm Eunice has anything to do with it. Um, I think Ben sort of alludes to the f- they've got an awful pitch. Um, it's not fantastic. It's not a great nick like ours. Um, they're a side that had quite a high turnover in the January window. Um, lost a lot, a lot of players up the pyramid. So Callum Morton, as we all know, um, went to join Posh somehow. Um, James <laughs> Hill went for a, a really good fee to, to AFC Bournemouth. Um, he was linked with Barcelona earlier in the window. Um, yeah. And Jay Matete went to Sunderland for an undisclosed fee, which is, you know, for a club like Fleetwood to be selling to clubs like those guys is really good. And they're really good at recruitment. I mean, Paddy Lane is a player that we need to to look out for. Um, eight assists so far this season in Skybet League One, a really, really good sign. They've looked out of non-league. Hopefully we can do something similar with, with Charlie Kendall and Ben House, obviously. Um, but no, it's a, a team around as Ben, isn't it? A, a team that... You know, then as you said, they're not on the best of form. I think you've done some research, so well done. Um, they're, they're, yeah, they're, they're not a bad side, and I think they gave us a really good game in in um, in August. Wanted they, they obviously mm. they went ahead um, with a, a really really exceptional free kick, and but no, it, it's a game where we want to go and win because we want to go and pull ourselves away from the bottom four and Fleetwood are, are one of those sort of similar to Morecambe and similar to AFC Wimbledon. Um, they're around there and any win for either side is going to be a bit of a you know, kick in the, in the, in the backside for the, you know, for the others. So, mm. I mean, I, I'm sort of confident really based off the performance in the first half. I think circumstances sort of surrounded the second half's performance, which is, I'm not going to go off um, like we've discussed, but I'm confident our away record's really good as well. So um, mm. I would expect us to, to go there and get a positive result. Um, if we're coming away unbeaten, I, I also don't think that's the worst thing in the world. Yeah, I think the thing is at the moment, like what is it? We need, on average, I think we need a point a game to get to that magic mark. Yes, yeah, because we've got 15 games left and, and, and we're on 35 points. Yeah, so I, I think... It's it's almost at that stage now where, yes, a draw will do. But I honestly think we just need to get one or two more wins on the board so that, you know, we can just if if we start, you know, if we go on a little run now, maybe two or three back to back wins. It just puts everybody's mind at ease, doesn't it? You just get that little bit of a cushion and then that breeds the confidence. And then, you know, everybody slowly starts to get a little bit more confident with how things are going, um, both in like in the fan base and in the club as well. I think it's going to be a, yeah, it's going to be a tricky one, but um, I, 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 yeah, I just, I hope we can do something um, with it over the weekend on Saturday. I just think it's going to be another nail biter. Um, but if you can get Norton Cuffey on the, on the uh, right hand side, you've got um, Cohen Bramall on the left. And then, you know, I think maybe Scully and, uh, Scully and Whitaker. I think Whitaker he needs to find a little bit of form again. I think obviously he had a blister in first game, um, and I think he he was slightly off the boil at points on Tuesday night. But I think if he can find that form again, start to just glide past people again like he was doing. I think we've got a really really potent 
um, attacking threat from either side now. And I think if we can use that on on Saturday, get those balls into Marquis and, and Cullen, I think we'll be all right. Um, so I'm going to go. I think we're going to edge it. I think we're going to go behind and I think we're going to come back from uh, from it and win. I know we've not done it a lot this season, but I think we can do it. I think it'd be 2-1. Would you, what about yourself? Well, that would be that would cause chaos on the terrace, Ben. So I'm absolutely all for that. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I'm I want to be positive. Uh, I would say we're going to nick it one nil. Um, but I think me, me and Ben have sort of come to the terms that it's going to be a bit of a game affected by the elements, and not a lot of goals tend to go in. So I would guess it's probably going to be a, a low scoring affair, and a goal either way will will just about nick it. Fair enough. So you, you are going with a clean sheet as well. Yeah, I've realised that's a massive mistake as soon as I said it. <laughs> uh, never yeah. mind. Well, I've got faith in Josh. He's a he's a he's a top lad. He's a top goalkeeper, and uh, <laughs> I, I I hope he's listening. Because uh, I know, I know, he, he shops in Morrison's. He's a lovely lad. Um, <laughs> he's a lovely lad who shops in Morrison's. There you go. You can't get a more glowing, <laughs> a more glowing report card than that from uh, from our man Jake. So. <laughs> <sighs> but anyway, we have we've hit the magical hour mark, Jake. I know people were people were complaining last time you were on because they were saying that uh, they felt they felt shortchanged of fifteen minutes. Well, yeah, I think Gaz also said that as well, didn't he? So um, just read the, the time mark, Gary, and see if that's any better, and just just let me know. <laughs> I mean, in fairness, it has been padded out by two other people coming on the podcast, but let's not talk about that. It don't matter. Let's not talk about that. No, I think um, that's going to do us. Um, I mean, obviously, we've got Bolton next week as well, but it's we we don't want apart from the, uh, the the game on Tuesday which we sort of glossed over MK for you know we don't want to do the previews without knowing what happened to the, the, in the previous game so um, there'll be a preview on the YouTube channel anyway um, there you so go I was just going to say I was just going to say do we I was going to say, do we need to plug anything and there you go you've got the perfect opportunity to yeah drop the plug in for the Stacey West YouTube yeah trying to get to 500 subs by the end of the year and I'm, I'm trying not to sound like a beg but um if people could go and sub that would um that would mean the world so yeah there you go and while we're on the subject of that uh go and check out next gen base because i got to review uh horizon forbidden west which is out today on the ps5 and it is very good it's a very good video game um and i spent a lot of time doing four videos for it which uh yeah go watch them please <laughs> but otherwise, <laughs> other than that we'll see you next week guys Gaz should hopefully be back I think they might find some string and duct tape to get his internet working again by next Thursday so uh, we'll see you later up the imps up the imps it's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered 
by fans.